I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. If you're a firearms enthusiast like I am, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best-kept secret. Bear Creek Arsenal. This is a veteran-owned and operated gun manufacturer. Bear Creek Arsenal, that is, based in Sanford, North Carolina. They make high-quality firearms at an incredible value. Learn more about Bear Creek Arsenal at bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. Use promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. One more time, bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck and promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Yes, America's Anchorman is away. You know why that is. He's uh, he's having some treatment today, and, and the way it's gone the last few weeks, the, the treatment goes well, but he wakes up the morning after feeling totally clobbered by the thing. Uh, so we do hope to have Rush back before the end of the week. Before the glorious fourth, because no one does unabashed, full-throated love of country the way Rush does. And it would be terrific uh, to have him here before the week is out to set up your Independence Day weekend uh, just uh, perfectly. Uh, But we are here at the start of another month of excellence in broadcasting. July the 1st, July the 1st, 23 years ago today... Uh, the Crown Colony of Hong Kong became a special administrative region of the People's Republic of China, and it is no accident that on this anniversary, China has passed in defiance of its treaty obligations. Uh, China has passed an uh, illegal law affecting the people of Hong Kong, and just to show that they're taking this new illegal law seriously, Uh, They rounded up 200 people uh, yesterday. July the 1st is also the day, this very day, that the USMCA, the replacement for the North American Free Trade Agreement, the USMCA, United States, Mexico, Canada Agreement, comes into effect. That would normally be a big deal uh, and would be regarded as a fairly spectacular accomplishment, if you recall the way the introduction of NAFTA Uh, was treated, but it's passed almost without notice because all the papers are full of stories uh, about how uh, Trump is uh, depressed, 
Uh, Trump is thinking of uh, quitting before the election. Trump uh, regrets uh, following the advice of his uh, son-in-law, Jared Kushner. So there's all kinds of palace gossip uh, taking the place of what would otherwise be a signature achievement. Of course, today, July the 1st, to all our listeners listening in Canada, and we do have a lot because Canadian talk radio has completely gone down the toilet in the last couple of years. It's dead uh, north of the 49th parallel. So we get an awful lot of people listening in Canada. We had a call, I think, from Howard from Victoria in British Columbia yesterday. So to all Canadians, happy Canada Day. It's such a shame Russia's away, actually, because he had a full three-hour Canada Day special all planned for you. He'd worked it all out, and then he's not here today. And it's uh, I know nothing about Canada, so I'd love to do it. But uh, I don't. I just don't have his... Uh, you'll have to wait till next year for Russia's three-hour our Canada Day special. Uh, Mr. Snardley, I believe, is back from his uh, secret mission to an undisclosed location. He's keeping an eye on things down south. We have Mike and Keith taking care of things in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, and I'll, I tell you what, I'll say one more thing about, about Canada Day, because it's relevant to this other so-called national holiday that maybe seven or eight of you will be celebrating uh, this weekend. Uh, I always call Canada Day Dominion Day because that's what it was for uh, 115 years. And then in the early 80s, they changed it quite improperly. And I never I never accepted the change. So I still wish my fellow Canadians up north happy Dominion Day, just as I uh, still like the old red ensign that Canadians fought under in two world wars and uh, and and they're buried under that flag if you go to the uh, war graves uh, in Normandy and in other parts of uh, western europe uh so i always use the old names and i do this uh because you might as well uh, you know we got rid of the old names for these things because they were supposedly colonialist and imperialist and all the rest of it even though they'd been accepted for over 100 years uh, the new names have become just as colonialist and racist in even less time. Every year, Canadian newspapers, to mark the national holiday, have a little feature showing maple leaf flags that you can cut out and stick in your window. You know, it's a pretty lousy thing, a cheap way of showing your patriotism, but they publish in the special Canada Day supplement a picture of the maple leaf flag. You cut it out and stick it in the window. This year, Canadian newspapers put trigger warnings on their front pages saying the uh, warning that there was a Canadian flag inside and they understood that this might distress and disturb uh, some of their readers. So they're just putting it on the front page so you can say, oh, my God, there's a flag in it, and, uh, and throw it in the garbage can. Uh, the Chronicle Herald, the biggest newspaper in Nova Scotia, the Telegram, the biggest newspaper in Newfoundland, all these newspapers did this. This is like a preview. As I said, this is related to what's going to happen south of the border this weekend. Uh, and that's why I say I think all these renaming holidays and coming up with new flags like Canada is all rubbish. Viscount Falkland, this is conservatism. This is, this is a pithy distillation of conservatism from the second Viscount Falkland. He's not the guy the Falkland Islands were named after. That's the fifth Viscount Falkland. But uh, 1641... The second Viscount Fortland said, when it is not necessary to change, it is necessary not to change. 
That's a conservative position. That's my position on all this March of the Moron stuff going on across the land down here. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm not interested in, in debating with Coldwell Banker uh, whether we should uh, give up the phrase master bedroom, uh, just because some people are triggered by it. If you're triggered by the phrase master bedroom, you're mentally ill. And the bank shouldn't give you a loan to buy the house because you're, you're not a fully formed, functioning human being. No one uh, should be going to a real estate closing with a guy who's triggered by the phrase master bedroom. Chess. Uh, there's two teams in chess. There's the white team and the black team. And traditionally, the white team goes first. So if you draw the white side of the chessboard, you go first. Nobody's permanently white. Nobody's permanently black. It's all changed around. You might be the white. You might be the black. Uh, but it, the white team goes, goes first. It's nothing to do with racism. Uh, it's nothing to do with the civil war. It's not going to make any difference to anybody's life. Uh, and so, in uh, Lord Falkland's words, when it is not necessary to change, it is necessary not to change. I haven't got a single... I've got, I think, one Dixie Chicks track on one of these stupid all-star celebrity duet CDs. Uh, I think it's uh, on some Tony Bennett CD or something. I, I don't like the Dixie Chicks. Can't stand the Dixie Chicks. No interest in the Dixie Chicks. But I'm not going to call them the Chicks because they've been panicked into abandoning the word Dixie. And this is really where, the, where we need uh, conservative leaders who are going to hold the line on this stuff. The silent, I haven't heard a peep out of the conservative think tanks in, uh, in weeks now. Uh, the only thing I look at whenever I see uh, some uh, uh, congressman tweeting about something, he's tweeting about how some uh, new sanctions deal to put pressure on Syria. Who the hell cares about Syria? They're burning down America. When, when we've figured out a fix to stop them burning down America, then we'll have all the time on our hands to figure out why they're burning uh, down Syria and do something uh, about that. This is all stupid stuff. When it is not necessary to change, it is necessary not to change. That's the conservative position, and I would like to hear some conservatives uh, articulate that, uh, rather than, you know, oh, well, you know, it's easier. You, you, concede, you concede on a thousand trivial fronts. Oh, well, master bedroom isn't the hill to die on. Uh, you know, the, all phrases in real estate are stupid. It's that kind of a profession, you know, drop-dead views. That's really offensive to people who have dropped-dead uh, because they were pulled over for driving while black. How dare they say drop-dead views? You know, if you're going to die through moronization, you don't deserve to live. When it is not necessary to change, it is necessary not to change. That is uh, the conservative uh, position uh, on this. one eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two is the number to call. Um, as I said, there are a whole lot of... Uh, stories, and these things are always coordinated. We have this ongoing, you know, Russia hoax, the rematch about the so-called bounty uh, that the Russians are putting on the head of heads of soldiers in Afghanistan. Nobody who has the remotest understanding of what it's like to be a Western soldier in Afghanistan would think this was a, a, any kind of plausible story. It's more... It's, it's, as I said yesterday, it's complete nonsense, uh, complete drivel. 
There's every, I believe, every single uh, figure in the uh, leading figure head of a major agency in the intelligence community has now said there's no actionable intelligence. There's nothing you can actually brief the president on. Uh, oh, we're, we're putting our troops in danger by not telling them that uh, the Russians. Have you ever, have you ever v- visited? Uh, a, a, a NATO base in Afghanistan. I, taught, I, I was in Australia a while back. I was talking to a very senior, uh, extremely senior Australian politician who just got back the day before from Afghanistan. Uh, and I said, what's it like now? He said, it's, uh, it's crusader forts, by which he means that inside the fort, you've got your Burger King, you've got your Taco Bell, you've got your Dunkin' Donuts, uh, and you lead an approximation of a Western existence. And then the minute you step out of that gate, everybody wants to kill you. And you've got to be alert because everybody, everybody, not just the big uh, bearded uh, butch jihadist type, uh, but also the old crone in the uh, head to toe uh, body bag and the sweet looking little seven year old uh, schoolgirl or schoolboy, all of them want to kill you. That's that's the that's the reason. Afghanistan is a disaster. Afghanistan is a disaster uh, because we had no strategic goals. We had no national interest that we wanted to prosecute in Afghanistan. So we go out there. We spend a lot of money building uh, schoolhouses. Uh, then the Taliban take that pack, that back that particular patch of land. So the, they now have a state of the art American built schoolhouse that no girls are allowed to go to. Then we get all sentimental and we start giving them fraudulent books like three cups of tea. Uh, and throughout this time, nothing changes. I mentioned, you know, all these uh, fake Afghan sayings, a, uh, a prudent son mistrusts his mother. Uh, it's a low-trust society. This village hates that village. This group of villages hates the group of villages in the next valley. Uh, it's a low-trust society, and, uh, and the people they're most suspicious of and they most hate are, in fact, the infidel who come in and occupy them for 20 years, and they build a big fort, and they've got Dunkin' Donuts on the inside of the fort, but none of the uh, Pushtun warriors can get in and get at all the Boston cream donuts. Uh, so they all want to kill us. And to have this stupid conversation, it's bad enough that this country hasn't won a war in 75 years. It's even more stupid that what is in fact a Macedonian content farmer uh, 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 fake news operation now is going to be used for impeachment too. Eventually... Reprise yesterday's line, a society becomes too stupid to survive. 1-800-282-2882. If you're a big old lefty, I always say this, love to hear from the lefties. We actually had quite a sensible moderate Democrat yesterday. Uh, And if there is uh, such a person out there again, uh, give me a call and tell me what you thought of Joe Biden's press conference. He's gone back in the bunker now till the Monday before the Tuesday election in November. This strategy is working great for him. Mark Stein in for Rush on America's number one radio show. Mark Stein on the EIB network, 1-800-282-2882. You'll know that uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, two policemen were shot. One of them has now died. Uh, Sergeant Craig Johnson 45 years old of the Tulsa police, died of his injuries on Tuesday after being shot during a traffic stop on Monday morning. The suspect, David Ware, 
He's been arrested on weapons charges. Um, they, the, the two officers encountered him early on Monday morning. A scuffle ensued. Uh, he refused 12 times. He was driving a vehicle with expired tags, uh, and so the vehicle had to be towed. He refused 12 times to get out of the car, which prompted officers to deploy a taser gun and pepper spray. He fought through the taser gun before allegedly firing seven, uh, several rounds at the officers, and Sergeant Johnson, a 15-year veteran of the Tulsa Police Department, uh, is now dead, leaving behind a wife and two sons. And you have to, you have to wonder now about all the split-second decisions. I love the way people who go on TV and radio and pass comment on current events uh, with the benefit of hindsight. Monday morning quarterbacking, and Monday morning, it, you know, it's one thing to do it about a sports event that goes on a couple of hours or whatever, but it's a uh, an entirely different thing to do Monday morning quarterbacking about a split second in which the decisions you make will determine whether you live or die. And you have to bet, I don't know what went on in this Tulsa situation, but you have to bet that, that when a policeman pulls a guy over uh, for a peripheral infraction now, and the guy gets belligerent and it all starts to go south. And they're thinking about those guys outside the Wendy's in Atlanta. When 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 one of them, the, the pup, yanks away the taser, fires the taser, you don't know what's coming next. Uh, you fire, he's dead, and you're looking at murder charges with the death penalty, as that officer is in Atlanta, and I am astonished, frankly, uh, that in some of these very uh, dangerous cities, that there are actually still officers turning up and going to work in the morning. But you have to, you have to think that all this talk, all this, oh, we're going to defund them. Uh, the school district has voted not to have the coppers in the schools anymore. Uh, every Democrat mayor is talking about how we need to reimagine the police, reimagine the police. It's a fantastic term to apply to policing because um, it's, it, it's, it's almost like fairy unicorns, prancing pink fairy unicorns as we reimagine the police. And meanwhile, the old unreimagined police are still out there every day dealing with guys like this. Now, this guy, I love this. You know, this guy has a rap sheet as as long as everybody in your family's arms put together. He's got a burglary conviction. He's got arrests on grand larceny. He's got an arrest for resisting arrest, for carrying a concealed weapon, drug possession, shoplifting. Uh, he sounds pretty much like a career criminal. And you would think uh, that there would be... It's questionable whether this guy should even be on the streets. But the same but the same situation goes out, is played out all over this country, every minute of the day, every hour, except the difference is that in the last month now, police have to think, oh, wait a minute, what should I do? I'll just, I tell you what, I'll just let him refuse to get out of the vehicle another four times, another five times, another seven times, another nine times, because I don't want to be like that guy in Atlanta. I don't want this thing to go south. And then because I'm a policeman doing my duty to protect the community uh, and serve the the people and the city I live in, 
that I'm going to be up on a murder charge and looking at a death penalty. I've been overcharged because the dirty, stinking, rotten, corrupt uh, local prosecutor in Atlanta wants me to plead to a lesser charge, manslaughter, and I'll go away forever and no one will ever know my name. And I'll, I'll be the guy who stood there uh, as this guy stole my taser and fired it at me. Uh, and because I had a split second to make a judgment about who he was, how dangerous he was, what he was planning to do, uh, because of that, I had a split second to make that judgment. Uh, and then some politicized, horribly politicized local attorney uh, decides that I've got to be charged with murder and looking at the death penalty, so I'll plead it down to life imprisonment. I'm surprised any policeman in this country still turns up to work. If you don't want to be discombobulated by any sinister foreign guest hosts, you can always go to RushLimbaugh.com and become a Rush 24-7 subscriber. And Rush 24-7 means what it says. You can get Rush 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in any uh, distribution medium known to man. You can get all the transcripts of the show. You can get the radio show. You can listen to him at 2 in the morning. If you if the, if the whole noon to 3 Eastern thing doesn't work for you, you can listen to him uh, in the middle of the night. You can binge listen all weekend long. Uh, you can get him in on camera on the Ditto Cam. Uh, you can get the old TV show. You can get three decades of terrific audio archives, unprecedented. There is no vault like Rush's vault in the history of broadcasting. And it can all be yours. It's a great, it's a, these are depressing times. Uh, any minute now, they're going to cancel 4th of July. Uh, it's an inglorious 4th. And the terrible things are happening in our country. Rush is the great optimist, and he has seen us through bad times before. And the evidence of that is in the most spectacular vault in the history of broadcasting. It can all be yours if you go to RushLimbaugh.com and become a Rush 24-7 subscriber. And I always get asked, you know, people say, oh, I'm worried about Rush. This is terrible. My heart uh, skips a jump. I said it's like bad for the guest host because in, in the old days when we were here, you tuned in and there was a guest host on. It was because Rush was doing some pro-celebrity golf thing somewhere with a lot of big shots. So he was flying into Hollywood to record his little voice bit for some animated show that uh, was featuring him or whatever. Or he was going to see the president. Uh, and so you got to you 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 got the glow of his uh, reflected glamour, and now it's uh, another. It's a completely different vibe because people say to me that whenever they switch the radio on and they hear the guest host, they will say, "Oh, is Rush okay today? What's going on?" Well, the one thing you can do to cheer him up because he loves to see them is just go to uh, rushlimbaugh dot com, and before you even get to the big banner that says the Rush Limbaugh Show, right at the top of the page, you go three four buttons along and you can send a special message to rush just hit that button you can send him not only your words your thoughts your prayers your best wishes but you can upload a little uh, greeting card or fun photograph or cartoon or whatever you have in uh, in mind and uh, that's all there for you at rushlidenbore.com meanwhile we uh, stagger on and uh, this this is the i think one of the most interesting insights into the state of the nation today. 
And it actually comes from a big sidekick of the supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei, in Iran. So he's not the supreme leader. He's the deputy assistant under supreme leader. That's what he'd be if he worked in, uh, you know, the Department of Agriculture or Interior Affairs uh, in Washington. Uh, This guy is, but he's like, he's like a big, he's not quite a supreme leader, but he's like a quite a super deputy under assistant supreme leader. Uh, And this is the Iranian Ayatollah Lot of Foller. (laughs) On Twitter, I'll try and say that again. Ayatollah Lot of Foller. He's got a lot of followers on uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Anyway, this is uh, Ayatollah Lodafala. Uh, I think that was Bill Haley in the comments, wasn't it? Ayatollah Lodafala in a wild crocodile. Anyway, Ayatollah Lodafala here is saying that America's over it cannot be the main decision maker when it comes to strategic matters in the world today. The sound of America being shattered and of the collapse is being heard all over the world. And then he says this. Well, that's the uh, that's the crowd at the end just shouting death to America. And if you don't speak Farsi, here's what he was saying beforehand. The shout of the Iranian nation, which has been leading the fight against America for 40 years, is being heard from the mouths of the Americans themselves. Death to America. This Ayatollah Lodafala is saying that the guys on the street are, in effect, the guys toppling statues of Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Francis Scott Key. These guys are basically chanting. They've taken up the chant of the Iranians. For 40 years, the Iranians have been shouting death to America, and now Americans themselves are on the streets shouting death to America. And he's not wrong on that. It's if you, the the statue, the Emancipation Statue in Boston came down last night. That's gone. That's over. Uh, Francis Scott Key toppled, as I said, this uh, terrific uh, Minnesota, uh, Madison, Wisconsin abolitionist, uh, Hans Christian Hegg, a Norwegian immigrant who gave his life for his adopted country uh, on the Union Army side, and they still topple his statue. These guys are shouting, in effect, death to America. It's not that they don't like Confederate generals. And this is, again, to go back to what I was saying at the top of the show, Viscount Falkland's line. When it is not necessary to change, it is necessary not to change. Even if there were uh, conceivable circumstances, like to rename uh, U.S. military installations named after Confederate generals, Doing it to abase the mob is not the time to do it. And as usual, the ghastly, hideous, repulsive Senate Republicans in their stu- in a committee that so-called conservatives supposedly control has actually gone along with that because they think, ah, oh, let's toss a bit of red meat. Let's toss a, 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 a bit of churning chum 
uh, into the uh, into the shark tank, and that'll make the sharks calm down. Are you out of your minds? For a start, it denies the point of history. Nobody knows who fought Bragg. Just go on, try it. Uh, if you're driving along right now, pull over, ask the first hundred people you meet whether they can tell you who Fort Hood or Fort Bragg is named after. Uh, and they won't be able to. And uh, after a while, something becomes a thing in its own right. We talked yesterday. Um, I mentioned yesterday it came up uh, the state of Victoria in Australia, which has been the state of Victoria for a century and a half. It was named after the great white racist imperialist colonialist queen. But after 150 years, you become something in your own right. You're not just still a bit of uh, promotional merchandise for some queen who's been dead 120 years. And this is this is what is so ridiculous and childish about this and the conservative position. And I'm so sick. I cannot I cannot. I have to calm down because I know a lot of these people. Uh, uh, Russia's uh, met them and uh, some of them even I've met. And I, some of them I made the mistake some years ago at speaking at events for them. But I'm so sick of a conservatism uh, that can do that can offer no, nothing more conservative than meeting lunatics halfway uh, and, and claiming that's conservatism. I used to talk about uh, the United Nations, uh, where you, you have the world's democracies and then you have the world's dictatorships, and then they all reach a consensus. And, and I used to say, well, what kind of consensus is that going to be? And I used to explain the UN in this way that if you, if you take a pint of vanilla ice cream and a pint of dog feces and you mix them together, the result is going to taste a lot less like the ice cream and a lot more like the dog feces. And that's what happens when you meet lunatics halfway. This is not a time uh, for clever... Uh, for, for clever triangulating conservatives who are triangulating America out of business right now to say, oh, yeah, let's surrender these uh, Confederate uh, bases named for Confederate. Nobody is pure enough for the mobs on the street. This Ayatollah, Ayatollah Lodafola, whatever the guy's called, he's absolutely right. The crowd, the Americans on the street are chanting, are in effect chanting death to America as they topple these statues. I read out the statistics yesterday from Quillette. Uh, over 70% of so-called American liberals uh, want a uh, new anthem, uh, want a new constitution, little below that want a new flag. Uh, somewhere between 30 and 40% want a new name for the country. These these people are, are out there shouting death to America and instead of saying, no, we draw the line of that, we're not interested in negotiating with a bunch of people saying death to America, uh, we, we instead stand there and say, well, how about just grievous bodily wounds to America? You're negotiating with people who hate you, who hate everything about you. Where are the principled conservatives who will take a stand and say, no, this, this country, uh, since... The Declaration of Independence has set itself out on a, a platform of being a constitutional republic that changes things according to the laws. 
so that if you want to uh, tear down this statue or that statue or some other thing, elect your guys to City Hall, elect your guys to the state government, do it that way. The idea that after one of the longest settled, peacefully evolved uh, constitutional entities of the modern world uh, should instead actually be be throwing red meat to the mob in the hope that they'll just uh, they'll chow down on that and it will sate their appetites for another 36 hours before they come for Abe Lincoln and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. It's pathetic. Mark Stein for Rush, 1-800-282-2882. We'll take your calls straight ahead. Mark Stein in uh, Farash Kurt in Lake Ozark, Missouri. You're up first on today's Rush Limbaugh show. Great to have you with us. What's on your mind, Kurt? Yeah, Mark. Uh, you know, these people you're just describing, or I think Rush touched on it Monday, um, you know, they're made. The universities make these people. Uh, uh, Antifa, I guarantee all of them uh, went to college. And they're made this way. They're, our universities have become subversive. I mean, that's the term we have to use, subversive. The attitudes we have in this country about the flag and changing all the stuff you just said, those attitudes were, were inculcated by our academia and our colleges. They're subversive. Uh, they, it's not just left-wingers they produce. It's like, it's like the Khmer Rouge in skinny jeans, okay? Right, uh, right. These people are scary. Uh, they're going to come for you if you have spectacles. I, I can see the, you know, the, the scarf, the red scarf, and the kids. Yep. The, you know, it's just, it's scary. Well, there was this one. Uh, we should actually find out her, her name and give her a bit of publicity. Who's a senior at Harvard? She's had one of the most pampered existences that you can have in the entirety of human history. And she's on, on there, on video, on social media, threatening to stab people who say all lives matter. The, these are basically an elite core of, uh, of privileged, eternal adolescence, because uh, we've let adolescence stretch into the early 30s now. Uh, but they're serious about it. And all the time, the, the right basically said as the great Tom Wolfe said to me once about this thing, that, uh, oh, these kids just sit in the class rolling their eyes at all the social justice stuff and forget about it as soon as they leave college. No, they don't. The crazy stuff that was happening on campus eight, nine, ten years ago is now happening in the boardrooms and the newspapers and uh, all other outposts of American life because these people are, are basically turning America into one big college uh, campus cut and and i'd like to i mean what would you what would you you live because your this is uh, your state is uh is typical of this in a way you're in the heartland everyone thinks oh there's conservative values there's red states and all there's no every single red state has deep blue uh, universities deep blue high schools deep blue grade schools and kindergartens. Uh, it doesn't matter how red your state is, the education system is still in the hands of these social justice commissars, Kurt. Yes. Well, I don't know. I, it's, 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 it's far down the road. I would say uh, defund them, homeschool, uh, you know, take that money that you would send your kid to college and send them around the world, buy them a car, buy them their first house. Uh, yeah. Maybe there'll be apprenticeships to replace college education. 
uh, yeah, that that that's actually. Yeah, carry on. Well, if you're an alumnus, don't send the money and tell them why. Defund them. Don't watch their sports. Mm. I'm not kidding. College, I think it's. Can you imagine a person saying this? College is harmful to your kid. Right, right. And, and the this was this was. I wrote a book. I wrote a book about this, and I said a decade ago. This is the biggest structural defect. We have too many colleges. You can't. You can't have as many colleges as there are Taco Bell franchises and expect it to be anything like a university. There are, there are serious subjects, whether you're uh, talking about engineering or whether you're talking about ancient Greek. And all the rest, uh, six and a half years to do a, a bachelor's in transgender studies, is, is worse than a waste of time because it's six and a half years in in which uh, these people are turned into automatons for the great march of the morons that we see around the country today. Thank you very much uh, for your call on that, Kurt. Again, we have to be we have we have to be serious about this. We can't just for, for ever since Reagan, the right has basically said, "Well, we don't really care about education. We don't really care about the culture. We don't really care about the uh, mainline uh, churches. We don't really care about the media. As long as we can drag a guy uh, across the finish line uh, every other Tuesday in November, then we're fine because we, st- we 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 still got guys with R after their name. You can never have conservative government as the culture gets more and more left wing. And as we see now on the streets, these guys these guys are serious. It is death to America time. And if you don't want to go there, you need to elect somebody who's got some... He doesn't just want to talk about lowering the corporate tax rate. He's actually got some serious uh, plan to reclaim all the sites uh, that America has lost. More in a minute. Whoa, the uh, the bumper music is getting way too cool for the Squaresville host on today's show. Mark Stein in for Rush on America's number one radio show. Lots more still to come. Stay with us. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is your undocumented Anchorman. Thrilled to be here. No supporting paperwork whatsoever. A foreign exchange student at the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies. Uh, I've been a foreign exchange student here for what is it now? Fourteen years. It, I really ought to be uh, really ought to be thinking about graduating sometime in the, in the next half decade uh, or so. Uh, Mark signing for Rush. Thrilled to be here. 1-800-282-2882 is the number to call. Another busy day. I mentioned it's uh, July the 1st, which is uh, Canada Day, Dominion Day in Canada. It's also the anniversary of uh, the handover of Hong Kong to China. And it really, I mean, it. I, I can't disguise my total contempt for the people on the streets uh, in American cities and in cities throughout other parts of the Western world, in part because when you compare them to what's going on in China, where a third of the population against one of the most brutal regimes in the world, a regime that statistically kills more people than the rest of the planet combined each year, uh, the government of China, 
the difference between these brave, principled protesters on the streets of Hong Kong and these ignorant, stunted goons staggering around from one statue to another uh, on the streets of American cities could not be clearer. Uh, Zhang Xiaoming, Executive Deputy Director of Beijing's Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, uh, said that the new law, Article 55, uh, 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 which says that Beijing can exercise jurisdiction over complex or serious cases in Hong Kong. This new law is a birthday gift to Hong Kong on the 23rd anniversary of the transfer of power uh, from London to Beijing. These, and, and to demonstrate that, they've arrested already 200 people. Uh, this is the most... Hong, China runs the world now. And you know that. You know, you look at Biden. Biden is a, a sock puppet anyway, and it'd be nice to think that he was a sock puppet for Kamala Harris or whoever his VP is, and will be waggling him around as uh, the 3% of his brain that's left crumbles away to nothing in the first two years of his administration if he gets elected. But Biden is also uh, ultimately a sock puppet uh, for China. I look at this thing here. This is again. This is a typical story. Just the typical story of the of, of and and I said yesterday. Trump was brilliant. Low energy Jeb. Low energy Jeb. That was great. Sleepy Joe doesn't quite cut it for me because he's sleeping his way uh, to victory uh, at the moment, and he isn't sleepy. He's corrupt. Secret Service provided Hunter Biden protection. On more than 400 flights. Who is Hunter Biden? He's the youngest son of the, uh, of the so-called vice president of the United States. In what way, is, in what way does he need or, uh, or, or is entitled to secret service protection? Did they provide secret service protection when he left that crack pipe in the rental car? Or when Hunter's high on crack? visiting his baby mama to tell her why he's not going to send her a check that month, uh, and then he drops the car back off at the airport and he leaves the crack pipe in the car. He doesn't need the Secret Service for that. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's, it, there's no reason. People, people uh, you, uh, and it's worth thinking about, on July the 4th, 1776, as George III said when he was asked what Washington's plans were, for the end of the presidency. Uh, and uh, he was told that George Washington was just going to go home and uh, live on his farm. And George III said, why? Then he will be the greatest man in the whole wide world in that he did, he renounced power. Uh, he, gave, he had power and he gave power up. That's why you have a republic. You can't have a republic where the youngest kid of the vice president, which is a completely ridiculous office, uh, is entitled to secret service protection on more than 400 flights. Why? Did you guys know about his crack habit? You're, you're providing protection for him on four, more than 400 flights, uh, including, though, including the flight in December 2013 when he was aboard Air Force Two. There shouldn't be an Air Force Two. That's another thing. The, to go back to George III's thing, people say, oh, you know, Harry and Meghan, who cares about them? He's just... 
uh, whatever he is now, seventh or eighth in line to the throne. Well, what do you think Hunter Biden is? Why have an hereditary ruling class if you're a republic? It's completely point. I'd rather have a, a Viscount or a Marquis uh, than, than uh, Hunter Biden uh, with his own Secret Service detail when he's flying around on Air Force Two, which shouldn't be a thing. Nobody wants, nobody wants to kill Joe Biden. Why is there an Air Force Two? Why can't he fly commercial? They've changed it now so that to, to fly commercial to Beijing, you've got to stand in line, you've got to shuffle shoeless like a great bovine herd, uh, and, uh, and, it's, and supposedly no one can get it on there to harm you. So why can't Joe Biden fly commercial? Nobody wants to kill him, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference anyway because he's like 98% dead already. Anyway, Hunter Biden uh, flew on with his dad to Beijing on Air Force Two as part of an official state visit. That's another thing. You shouldn't have vice presidents making state visits. That's a ludicrous term to apply to a visit by a vice president. Um, And uh, during that visit, during that visit, Hunter Biden entered into a multi-billion dollar deal with the subsidiary of the state-owned Bank of China. So, so you, you, the American taxpayer, are providing secret service details for Hunter Biden to fly to Beijing and climb into bed with the Chinese Politburo. Meanwhile, we have these brave people on the streets of Hong Kong who aren't like the idiots they're not like the grunting, know-nothing, the little trusty, fundy, uh, liberal, white, progressive women uh, with their six-and-a-half-year bachelor degrees running around in bandanas, uh, torching and toppling statues. They're actually fighting to—they understand they, are, they have freedom, and they are fighting to keep that freedom. Under the agreement that China entered into, uh, it was supposed to be a half-century deal to the year 2047 of one nation, two systems. And the systems are completely different. On the high court, this law now for complex or serious cases where you'll be tried in Beijing. Why are they doing that? Because Hong Kong law, uh, as part of the deal, has English law. It has a high court, its ultimate court of appeal, has uh, judges from England, Canada, Australia, common law judges applying English law uh, to Hong Kong citizens. Hong Kong has its own currency. It has its own legal system. This is in breach of that international obligation. These guys understand what freedom is, and and they're in an awful situation. They're in bed with a brute and a bully, And so they have to be extra vigilant because they know that that brute and that bully, the dominant power on the planet, that the damn fool Chamber of Commerce right has let become the leading economic power on the planet and, in fact, the de facto superpower of the planet because China gets its way and we don't. And they're trying, they're out there on the streets, a third of the population of Hong Kong, over two million people on the streets fighting to keep their freedom And we see idiots staggering around the chop zone, uh, actually surrendering freedom, saying we're bored by freedom. We've had uh, almost two and a half centuries of a constitutional republic, and we're getting to the decadent stage and the effete and self-indulgent stage. And living in liberty has become kind of boring, and we'd rather live 
We'd actually rather live in something that has the electric frisson of uh, something a little more dangerous and exotic. We'd like to have a People's Republic of Chop. Chop has been around for three weeks, and they shot dead a 19-year-old black guy and a 16-year-old black guy. And the evidence suggests that these are white, trusty, fundy security guards, so the so-called Chop Police... Uh, the Chop Stapo of Chopistan, or whatever it's calling itself this week, uh, actually shot these two black guys. So the so the nice Chop Utopia, the people's utopia of Chop, kills black people at a higher rate than the Minneapolis Police Department that started this whole thing. There's nothing in this revolution. And I look at these corporations. Walmart now says it will refuse to sell All Lives Matter T-shirts because they understand that, you know, All Lives Matter can be a dog whistle uh, for we don't care about black lives or whatever. And Walmart is supposed to be a, a, a so-called conservative institution. You know, uh, Peter Strzok in his text to his paramour, Lisa Page, mocked uh, Trump supporters as smelly Walmart people. I don't know how they smell, the smelly Walmart people. But I tell you this, however however perfumed or malodorous they are, there is nothing uh, conservative about Walmart. There's nothing conservative about folding on this. There's nothing conservative about that homophobic chicken chain, Chick-fil-A, uh, caving and and saying uh, we'll we won't give any th- we won't give any money to anybody the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, dislikes. Don't don't be the rubes of the right forever and keep falling for these these fake these fake conservative institutions. Well, in the end, Walmart isn't on your side. In the end, Walmart all lives matter now. There's somebody uh, who's. Uh, uh, as I said uh, last hour, a Harvard senior who's threatening to stab people who say all lives matter. And we think, oh, well, that's just crazy college kids. No, it's not. Basically, Walmart has lined up on the same side. On the same side. Yeah, one thing I noticed is that uh, th- with, say, faith-based institutions, there's uh, some kid who's uh, just been... Uh, denied a scholarship. He was given a scholarship by a post-Catholic university. And like 99.99% of these so-called Catholic institutions, the Catholic uh, institution is all hot for the LGBT QWERTY stuff. Uh, so they, the Catholic university puts out an LGBTQ uh, a tweet or whatever it was, and the student uh, dissents from it. And now they're going to take his scholarship away from him because the so-called faith-based institutions don't have any faith. Uh, go back to the line of Viscount Falkland. When it is not necessary to change, it is necessary to not... It is necessary not to change. We need people who are going to hold the line. We're suffering... Uh, uh, death by a million cuts right now. And at the same time, what you see on the streets of Hong Kong are real protesters. What you see on the streets of American cities are overindulged, joke, know-nothings, the beneficiaries of the most pampered adolescents in human history. They can't make anything. They can't create anything. All they can do is destroy. And every American corporation... Uh, wants to get on the same side as them. Don't! Don't! They're weaker. 
They're, they're, what are they, 2%? Mike Flynn has a great piece today. Uh, General Flynn, he's had a tough time, and he's written this column out there saying that 2% of the most passionate make the running for the other 98%. That's the way it goes in almost all revolutions. People think it's a numbers game. It's never a numbers game. It's about will. And I tell you something, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have the will of uh, the guys who run chop and shoot and kill black teenagers in the People's Utopia chop. I'm not interested in bending their will. Uh, I mentioned the, uh, uh, I was talking about meeting these people halfway and uh, somebody tweeted, yeah, if you, if you meet a lunatic halfway, you're a lunatic too. Exactly. That's how it is. Don't meet these guys halfway. Mark Stein for us. Your call straight ahead. Mark Stein in for us on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Let's go to Linda in Lyle, Illinois. Linda, you're next on America's number one radio show. Great to have you with us. Same here. Mark, you are on a, on a roll today. You're making me laugh so hard because of all the arguments that you give forward. Well, I can tell you, whoever succeeds to our civilization, whether it's uh, the Ayatollahs or the Chinese or space aliens from the planet Zongo, they will be laughing their heads off at how we did this to ourselves. Uh, that's uh, that's for sure. Uh, it's it's well, not really funny, Linda. It will just seem funny in uh, in in the history books three or four centuries from now. <laughs> but uh, what 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 else is uh, concerning you today? Okay, so there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring up to you, if you don't mind. You were talking about in Afghanistan, and my grandson was there as a medic about several years ago. And he said that all the people out there wanted to do was kill each other. Right. He said it it, it was unbelievable. Or or they would take stones and pile stones on top of one another. He said it was (laughs) really pathetic. Now, the other thing I want. Bring up you're, 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 you're right about that. In fact, we shouldn't. The, the minute you know a newspaper story isn't real is when it starts talking about an Afghan, because there's no really no such thing as an Afghan. There are Pushtuns and there are Uzbeks and there are this and that and the other, uh, and they all hate each other. Uh, and the only time they ever uh, agree on anything is when some other party shows up, like the British or the Russians or the Americans, and then they think, oh, well, wait, there's some new people to hate. We'll go and hate them for a bit. But you're absolutely, your your grandson's right. They all hate each other. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's true. And the other thing was about what liberals think. Now, I'm not talking about these educated liberals. I'm talking about these high school and, and college kids. They actually think that all people think like them, and they don't. Mm. And if you don't think like them, they get really mad at you. I have two granddaughters, uh, two of them, 16 and 18 years old, that are, whatever they're talking about, I said, where are you hearing this stuff? And then they start (laughs) yelling at me if I don't think like them. And I go, wait a minute. And they said, well, we have a right to our opinion. I said, but so do I. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, Linda, you've got it wrong. You have a right to their opinion. Because what's interesting, you say they're 16 and 18, so they've been taught basically since kindergarten that there's a correct view on climate change, there's a correct view on Islam, there's a correct view on same-sex marriage, there's a correct view on transgender bathrooms, and there's a correct view on open borders. And it's not just that they're entitled to their opinion – 
but you're not entitled to your opinion. And they're often, like, stunned at the fact that their parents and grandparents uh, aren't actually going around like brainwashed zombies repeating the party line like you're meant to on all these subjects. Exactly. So I wanted to say to all the parents out there and the grandparents, make sure you push back with these kids because I push back. I will not let these 16, 18, or 25-year-olds tell me that they know more than I do. And I'm 81 years old, and I've been around a long time. Well, good <laughs> good for you, uh, Linda. And and actually, Linda, what Linda's saying there is absolutely... You do have to push, but don't just say, ah, oh, you know... Uh, little Susie May is only 15 or 16, let it go. No, don't. Just just keep... When they tell you you can't say something, it's actually important to say it again just to demonstrate that that approach is not going to work. We've basically got two generations of people now uh, who have no... Uh, who, who have no... don't even pay lip service to the idea of free speech. What matters increasingly is you take the party line on an ever-growing list of subjects, and that's all you're allowed to say about it. Yes, Rush is out, but he hopes... he hopes uh, to be back before the end of the week uh, for some authentic, full-strength... All-American excellence in broadcasting as we head into the 4th of July weekend. And we hope that. We hope that, too. Uh, Keith, uh, our call screener today in lieu of Mr. Snurdly, Keith had some guy yelling at him that I was making too many jokes uh, about what's going on. I'm not actually making jokes. I'm totally disgusted. I'm disgusted not just at the at the pampered trust fund revolutionaries, but I'm totally disgusted by the conservatives who meet them halfway. I take this very seriously. I'll tell you why I take it very seriously, and you can take this as a joke too. But right now, Western civilization is dying on America's watch. How do you think historian... He didn't want to come on the air, this guy. He just wanted to yell at the call screen. I didn't want any jokes. He takes it all very seriously. Well, why don't you take it seriously, uh, if that's how you feel about it, to come on the air and talk about it? Because I take it so seriously. Jokes are serious things. The first sign of a society declining into totalitarianism is when it abandons jokes. You can read, there's a great Milan Kundera novel about it. Great Czech novel, Czechoslovakia, uh, by a guy who, uh, written in the early years of communism in Czechoslovakia, a guy makes the wrong joke and his life is destroyed. Every time you make a joke, actually, now, it's, it's a small act of uh, rebellion against what's going on. Even the cheapest, meanest joke I don't is uh, is is standing up for actually the freedom to make jokes. Have you seen these late night shows you they they've got now? Trevor Noah, that nice chap from South Africa, or Jimmy Fallon, Kimmel Fallon, Fallon Jimmy, whichever he is. Uh, these guys, there's not in the least, but he was interviewing the uh, author of the book White Fragility. There's no jokes on the late night shows. They've expunged it. You're invited. They tell things that have the form of jokes and you're invited to applaud yourself for holding the correct attitude to it. So one, uh, jokes are important. Two, as I said, 
Right now, Western civilization is dying on America's watch, and history will be merciless about that. Here's the, and if you think, oh, well, what are you just talking about? You're just some uh, twit Canadian. What do you know about? No, that's actually how the Chinese think about it. The Chinese uh, go back because they take the long view. So half a millennium ago, they regarded themselves as the most advanced civilization on the planet. And then the Europeans came along. You had the Dutch, the Portuguese, the Spanish, the French, the British, and finally, uh, since uh, 1950, uh, the American Imperium. And they think that after half a millennium of Euro-American domination, the world is returning to its natural order with the Chinese in charge. That's actually the big story. Nobody's talking. We were talking about it for two minutes during the COVID thing when everybody realized, oh, really? Gosh, all the medicines are made in China and they keep sending us nothing but defective masks, face masks that don't work. So we're going to be we we live in a society that's so stupid. uh, Joe Biden is going to mandate the wearing in public by every American of face masks, all of which are made in China and don't work. That's how stupid we are. Now, uh, Chumpy McChump Pants, who called in and was yelling because I'm making too many jokes about this thing. Uh, that's, uh, that is, you can look at two things. Either that's stupid or it's in some blackly humorous way. It's a bleak and devastating comment on how stupid we are uh, about, about, this, uh, about this whole business. But either way, either way, uh, the Chinese who are playing the long game here, they've snaffled the planet out from under us while we're having a debate on whether you should be allowed to put up statues to Abraham Lincoln. Nothing good. Nothing good is going to come of that. And again, who can't you be? You know, the whole thing now, you can't say all lives matter. That's disrespectful to black lives matter. All lives matter is just a way to show how racist you are. Jake Tapper was told by the rapper. Jake Tapper is a tapper, not a rapper. And he was told by the rapper Ice Cube to watch his mouth after he criticized uh, Louis Farrakhan for being an anti-Semitic misogynist. So why? Uh, so so uh, Ice Cube says now you've got to get on board with this thing. Even Louis Farrakhan, Calypso Louis, you can't say anything about him. Louis Farrakhan is the guy who said that the Jews were using bad marijuana to feminize the black male, right? That's Louis Farrakhan. So at a stroke there, he's insulting four key Democrat constituencies, uh, Jews, gays, blacks, and potheads. I don't even know how a Democrat objects. Uh, what's, What's the formal objection to that statement? Jews are using bad marijuana to feminize the black male. Uh, what, what, what's the objection to that statement? Uh, oh, yeah, I, I don't, of course I've got, of course I've got nothing uh, against feminizing the black male. I just don't want the Jews doing it. This guy is bonkers. And Jake Tapper on CNN is being told by big, big, big shot rapper Ice Cube that you're not allowed to criticize Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. I I again refer you to this piece that Michael Flynn has written today because it's never a numbers game. It's about who has the most energy in society. 
And right now, there's a group with about two... How many people do you think actually support the hardcore Black Lives Matter program? The destruction of the uh, nuclear family, uh, socialism uh, across America. Um, I I see, for example, now Time magazine... Uh, the Henry Luce's Times magazine is now saying that uh, we need to cancel certain superheroes because some of these superheroes do not have the correct attitudes. And by that, they mean they're not talking about all the ones that have turned gay or Hispanic in recent uh, in recent times. They're talking about, for example, Batman. Batman needs to go because Batman works with Gotham Police, Gotham City Police Commissioner, uh, uh, what's his name, Commissioner Gordon. He's Commissioner Gordon of the Gotham City Police Department. Do you, do you realise how stupid this is? When uh, We've now got Time magazine calling for the defunding of the Gotham City Police Department. There is no Gotham City. It doesn't exist. It was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger in 1937, 1938, whatever it was. It doesn't exist. It's a fictional construct from the 1930s. But it's now apparently, while China is taking over Hong Kong, while China is buying up a a resource-poor nation, is buying up all the resources in Africa and the West Indies and Canada and Australia, while China is building new ports everywhere, uh, Sri Lanka and across the whole of the Indian Ocean, all the way to the Middle East, we're arguing about whether the Gotham City Police Department should be defunded. This is the most stupid revolution in history. We'll take your call straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush on America's number one radio show. Rush is out. We hope to have him back uh, as we head into the 4th of July weekend. Uh, I was talking about uh, Commissioner Gordon uh, because the Time magazine has called on Batman to uh, announce that he supports defunding the Gotham City Police Department. That's what we're reduced to now. We have a Gordon on the line, though. Uh, I don't believe any relation to Commissioner Gordon from Cedar Rapids, Ohio. Gordon, it's great to have you with us on the show today. Hi, Mark. I uh, personally like your jokes. <laughs> that's that's great. I think that's the sound of one hand clapping. Thank you, Gordon. Uh, I'm uh, me and Tre- Trevor Noah will have a British Commonwealth joke off, uh, and you can be the deciding factor in the audience. That'll we'll uh, I'll hold you to that. Thank you, thank you for that, Gordon. What's uh, what's on your mind today? Well, I got to thinking the other day. You know, every time the Republicans want to um, cut taxes. The Democrats start crying about all of these essential services that are going to be cut, like the school lunch program and the park service and the fire department. And then the police department will be overwhelmed because they won't be able to respond to any calls. Mm. So my question is, all of a sudden, the police are non-essential. When did that happen? Right. I mean, it's actually incredible. The the uh, New York City budget uh, he just stood up there, de Blasio, and announced that he was going to cu- cut the police department budget by $1 billion. This is a guy who's never cut any budget anywhere in his life because no budget can ever be cut. And yet suddenly we can take $1 billion out of just one agency's, just one department's budget. Boom, like that. It's amazing. You'd, you'd almost think that this, uh, that it might then be possible to try that with other departments, uh, other departments elsewhere. Uh, 
it's fantastic to me, Gordon. What's what's interesting, though, is whether they'll actually be able to sell this to people. I mean, clearly there's a lot of rubbish going on where they're talking about reimagining the budget. And you just, you know, uh, can you imagine uh, if the if the IRS call you up and say, hey, hey, pal, uh, you uh, you paid uh, ten thousand dollars less tax than you were supposed to, so your check uh, isn't good enough. And you were to say, "Well, I was I'm just uh, reimagining my taxes this year." Uh, that's what I. Can, you can't apply this to serious budgeting uh, con- constraints. I mean, I I honestly don't know how we live in a very stupid age, and and the media are going along with this. Uh, at the one on the one hand, they're saying defund the police. And then the media say, oh, don't worry, defund the police doesn't mean defunding the police. It's, it'll just mean that uh, they'll wear prettier coloured uniforms and they'll pretend to be social workers, but uh, they'll still do everything they used to do. And then AOC says, no, 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 we're being serious. When we say defund the police, we want all these, uh, every single constable in the land out of work, sitting at home uh, and uh, n- no, no more police. Which is it? Which, which version do you think they'll succeed in imposing, uh, in, in selling to the American people, Gordon? I hope I hope none of them. Actually, I hope neither <laughs> one succeeded. You know, succeeds. But uh, it's a crazy it's a crazy time, and the whole world the whole word of uh, unessential I think gave birth right at the COVID situation, and mm. now basically we have two groups: you're either essential or non-essential, and yeah. I I I just uh, I just hope that uh, they don't succeed in any defunding or uh, or uh, any uh, any harm to the, any type of police departments or their budgets. Well, that you're right that we live in a very binary society. You know, there's 58 genders. Uh, there's no longer two sexes. There's 58 genders. But that when it comes to uh, the core identity, people are either essential or non-essential. And so we've been told for months that if you own a restaurant or you own a little coffee place or whatever, you're non-essential, so you can't go to work, so your business has got to go under. Uh, and then suddenly the rioters and looters come along, and the rioters and looters are deemed to be essential because white supremacy is a public health crisis. So they've now been read into the list of essential workers are doctors, nurses, first responders, looters, and rioters and statue topplers. And then on the other hand, uh, we into the non-essential department have been read law enforcement. This is This is basically a bonkers view of reality. But do you think there is still a silent majority that can actually that 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 can actually hold the line against this kind of nuttiness? I hope so. Well, I hope so, too, Gordon. Thank you. uh, Thank you for your thank you for your call. And thank you for your kindnesses. Uh, re, uh, re my uh, pathetic attempt at jokes. Let's go to Amanda in Fort Meade, Maryland. Uh, Amanda, what's on your mind today? Well, I was calling because for the last two days, my husband and I have heard people talking on the radio about this um, Russian hit list, which oh, is yeah. sort of laughable to us because clear back to Bush Sr. and the war he had, there have been things like that going on, but nobody can Conspicuously, noticeably, is talking about the ISIS hit list that came out in 2015, where they're actually doxing American servicemen and women on American soil. 
and one of the bases we were at, people had to be overnighted out of their assignment because it was their real information. It was their real official portrait that they had had taken that was posted online with their home address. Yep. And, in fact, Obama was on that list, too. <laughs> No, no, that's true, actually. ISIS did have a hit list, and uh, there were very good friends of mine on that hit list. And I remember, I won't mention the name of the particular person, but within hours of that coming out, uh, I happened to be with that person. I was uh, giving a speech somewhere, and uh, I had to loan that person my own little security team uh, because from the minute that list was out until until uh, other arrangements were made, because uh, that person was out of the house uh, and couldn't go home and had to suddenly go into hiding and everything. That's actually true that ISIS have put bounties on American citizens uh, for some time. Uh, but it, but, you know, Amanda, the, the, the thing about this is they're not even it doesn't exist as a real issue to them. They're not concerned about. Troops. They're not concerned about, say, American soldiers uh, going out somewhere in, on patrol in Helmand Province. It's they don't even. It, that's there's no vision of that. It's just getting Trump uh, into another impeachment hearing and having witnesses and having some stupid committee uh, hold investigations. The actual idea of uh, American troops somewhere out there on the far horizon patrolling some. Uh, ghastly valley in Afghanistan that they don't even think of that they're thinking about it in completely different terms Amanda oh I know I'm fully aware and you know I just wish the American people if they're listening could hear me and believe me when I tell you that the American servicemen and women accept these risks and they wake up and they put on their uniform and they salute the flag when the music plays and they go to work and they do it every day And they have accepted this risk. It's part of their oath. They have oathed to the people and to the Constitution, and that's what they do. Yep. if they're at risk, they're at risk. And anyone who doesn't think Trump has their best interests at heart, let me remind them, he did a strategic drone strike on a single person who is threatening the lives of service members at an embassy overseas. He didn't have collateral damage that was out of control like Obama frequently did. No, and- no, no. You're 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 right. We have to we have to run uh, Amanda, but that Soleimani point is great. I remember uh, MSNBC they were saying, "Oh, this is they compared Soleimani to Princess Diana." That's how out of it MSNBC are on uh, this stuff. Thanks for your call. We got lots more still to come. Mark Stein in for Rush on America's number one radio show. The March of the Morons continues across the land. What does this mean for Election Day in November? We'll talk about that straight ahead. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is your EIB Anchor Baby. Thrilled and delighted to be here. Uh, We have coming up this hour a uh, victorious report. Republican candidate uh, Burgess Owens, uh, who you may know more from the sporting than the political world, but Burgess will be uh, coming up uh, in about half an hour's time. He had a very good night in Utah last night. uh, And uh, if you subscribe to the Limbo Letter, you'll know that some years ago Rush did a, a terrific interview with Burgess for the Limbo Letter. 
And uh, we uh, also, uh, I want to take your uh, calls on how the politics of some of what's going on in the country is going to play out. I mentioned right at the top of the show that line of Lord uh, Falkland, the second Lord Falkland, that uh, when it is uh, not necessary to change, it is necessary not to change, which is a, a perfect distillation of a conservative position. And I said I was looking for someone who would hold the line. And I don't usually have anything good to say about Emmanuel Macron, who is this uh, petite, uh, delicate, uh, uh, metrosexual, globalist uh, dinky boy, uh, as delicate as bone china. You remember that moment when (laughs) Trump uh, picked a fleck of dandruff, supposedly, off his lapel at the G7 uh, a year or two back. But Macron actually did something brilliant. He just came out and he said, uh, we are not going to change a single street name or take down a single statue. Forget about it. That's it. And that was, uh, he said it in a French accent and he said it in his usual Macron-like way, but it's butcher than anything I've heard from anybody in Congress or anybody from any of the so-called conservative think tanks. So he just said no. Not a single, they're part of our history. We're not changing a single street name and we're not taking down a single uh, statue. And uh, as I said, he's just like some little metrosexual globalist dinky boy. Uh, but uh, he has uh, such huge stones uh, that he could actually be the plinth for his own statue. That's how impressive that was compared to most of the stuff we're hearing from so-called leaders around the rest of the world. And, um, you know, he's an odd, he's an odd chap. He's uh, certainly not to my taste on anything else. He uh, is a, a peculiar person in many ways. Uh, his wife is old enough to be her own statue. He's a very unusual sort of chap. But on this, he's absolutely right. Not a single street name, not a single statue. They're part of French history, and we ain't changing anything. Uh, and that's the line that all of us uh, should be taking on that now, we have uh, a, a, an interesting trend in newspaper stories. Uh, you know, when I do this show, uh, Mr. Snurdly always sends over the old stack of stuff of things that's on his mind. Uh, and there's a, there's a kind of theme to them today. Exclusive. This is Reuters. Hundreds of George W. Bush administration officials to back Biden, group says. New York Times, meet the supporters Trump has lost. Associated Press, distancing from Trump, some Republicans step up their critiques. And then from Axios, another interesting scoop uh, from Jonathan Swan, who's an uh, Australian uh, chappy, married to a young lady I used to know from Hillsdale. And he says, Trump regrets following Kushner's advice. Uh, And uh, I don't know whether this it doesn't come directly from the president, but it comes from a person who spoke with the president and saying he's he's sick of Jared's woke bleep. So in other words, his son in law's stuff about letting people out of prison, uh, criminal justice reform. He's sick of being stuck with all that woke stuff. uh, And he's uh, been alarmed uh, at uh, at some of the 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 things that have been imposed upon him. As to those Republicans who are stepping up critiques, that means people like Chris Christie. He is losing. The former New Jersey governor, a Trump friend and confidant, said of Trump's re-election prospects on ABC's This Week. 
And if he doesn't change course, both in terms of the substance of what he's discussing and the way that he approaches the American people, then he will lose. The New York Times. Meet the supporters Trump has lost. These are people who didn't particularly like Trump in 2016, but liked Trumpism, in effect. Uh, they liked the the program he was, the platform he was running on. They like all the stuff about uh, uh, immigration and the wall and all the rest of it. But uh, they have now decided that he's such an appalling human being, said Judith Goines, uh, 53, a finance executive, that, uh, that they can't vote for him again. Hundreds of George W. Bush administration officials to back Biden. Uh, who are these hundreds of George W. Bush administration officials who are backing Biden? I can't actually find a name in here um, except Jennifer Milliken, who worked on Bush's 2004 re-election campaign and later in the General Services Administration. I think the General Services Administration is the department that picks out the office furniture. Uh, So we're not talking exactly about former Treasury secretaries and national security advisers, although doubtless you could find them, like all these generals uh, who haven't won a war in 75 years who are turning uh, on Trump for one. He's got enemies on all sides at the moment. And he's got to find... I I offered it yesterday in the wake of the terrific cover of this, uh, the June Limbaugh letter that has rushed there, dressed as Captain America, and the headline, Make America Great Again, Again. And I said at this stage, that was as good a slogan as any other. And then I actually offered what boils down to, the November election boils down to, which is America, yes or no. Uh, We have people who actually want to vaporize the entirety of American history. This is actually a revolutionary moment. These, These people may not know what the history is, but they know that they want it all in the garbage can. And what's interesting is that the so-called moderate Democrats don't dare call them out about it. And, uh, and you, so you can ask, Joe Biden is apparently trying to draw a line now between Confederate generals and slaveholder statues. He's not going to be able to do that. These guys hate the whole lot, starting with the Declaration of Independence 1776. They want no part of it. They want a new country. They, they want basically rubble and the utopia, a chop-like utopia to arise in the ruins. And so-called mainstream Democrats, so-called moderate Democrats, don't dare call them out. But I tell you this, all these Republicans distancing themselves from Trump, that isn't going to work. You're either going to win with Trump or you're going to lose, whether you like him or not. And if, if Trump loses in November, then you will lose not just the presidency, but the Senate, Uh, And that will mean that the House, the Senate and the Oval Office are in the hands of Democrats. You look at you look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden hasn't done what is supposedly mainstream advice, uh, which is normally that you run to the left in the primary and then run to the center in the general election. Instead, he has uh, actually gotten lefter ever since he became the de facto nominee. And whoever's waggling their hand up him as he's their glove puppet once he's in the Oval Office, 
This will be an extremely activist left-wing administration that will legalize millions and millions and millions of so-called undocumented Americans in order to provide a permanent majority for the Democrat Party at the national level. So this is a serious thing. People say, oh, it's the most important election in my lifetime. This might be the last chance you have to hold the line. If Trump loses, there's, there's going to be a bloodbath on the right like you've never seen. And in the meantime, uh, the left are just going to go full throttle at actually rebuilding an America in the style of what we've been seeing on the streets uh, this last month. Uh, one of the things I love about this show as a listener is that you can sometimes have very subtle and nuanced and complex situations and Rush manages to explain them in a way that makes them totally easy to understand. So, no surprise, he's also found a home security system that takes away all the complexity of installing and using it and making it so much simpler. My good friends, my good amigos, having a home security system is no longer an expensive proposition. In fact, the cost is not a reason for not having a home security system today. And you may not know this. It may be that the last time you priced one, it was it was more than you wanted to pay. Uh, you may have done the cost-benefit analysis. Of the, you know, I'm not going to get broken into enough times for this to be worth it. And you came away with the belief, man, this stuff's expensive. Well, I want to tell you about a company changed everything. Simply Safe USA. They've introduced a wireless home security system. That protects every window. It protects every door. Every room in your home. It's just exactly like you would imagine home security would operate. Sensors on every door and window that you choose. I mean, you don't have to put a sensor on a fourth floor roof drain if you don't want to. But wherever you want them, you can put them. Motion detectors. HD cameras in the rooms and hallways you want to protect. All of those sensors and motion detectors are now connected together via Wi-Fi. Throughout your home, no wires. Do you realize how much complexity is taken out of the whole equation when there aren't any wires? A, it means you can do it yourself. If you can put stick'em sensors on a door or window, if you can put a camera where you want it to be, you really can do it yourself. You don't have to. I mean, we hire people to come out and do it for you if you want. But I'm just trying to tell you how simple this is. Taking the wires out is amazingly cost-reducing, too. You don't have to have anybody run the wires. You have to rip out drywall and repaint it so that the wires are not seen. It's a game changer. And not just in cost, but in operation and maintenance. You will appreciate the ability to do the installation yourself because you'll come to understand how the system works. And tracing a bad sensor is easy and does not involve following and trying to trace a bad wire because there aren't any. It's not intimidating. It just offers protection. Plus, there's monitoring, 24-7 monitoring. Somebody breaks in, system will call the cops, fire department. That's $14.99 a month, not 50 and there are no contracts to sign. That will give you an idea of how affordable home security is with Simply Safe. You'll, you'll be amazed at how much it does not cost, I predict. And they'll throw in a free HD camera. Now, the reason that's a big deal, that has to do with response times, you have an HD camera somewhere in the house and you have a break-in. If the monitoring system call can show the cops 
via that camera that there is a burglar in your house, they're not going to worry about a false alarm. They're going to send a team out, and the response time is going to be lickety-split. And they're throwing that in free. Go to simplysafeusa.com. That's a website just for you. Don't need an offer code. Just simplysafeusa.com. Mark Stein in for us at the Golden EIB microphone. Let's go to Ormond Beach, Florida, and speak to James. James, uh, what's what's on your mind today? Good afternoon, Mr. Stein. It's an honor to get to speak to you, and mega dittos to Rush, and best of prayers for his recovery. You've intrigued me, sir, in the last couple of days with something you said uh, starting yesterday, but then you carried into it today, and that is kind of a general disgust with our uh, with our two-party system and sort of the, the dilemma that they've placed us in. And my question to you, you know, one constituent to another, I feel very abandoned by the Republican Party, not like I'm inclined to go for the opposition. But what can we do as constituents, as voters, as regular deplorables out here to take back our party? You said something a few minutes ago that intrigued me that, that uh, you know, we may be in some desperate times here as we face the election and the bloodbath that will ensue if we lose 2020. And it's a dangerous game to play, but I wonder, would we be better off in some ways long-term than in 2020 if the Republican Party arise out of the ashes of, of the current one? Trump seems to fight almost as hard to push his policies and agenda that we, the people, voted for almost as hard against his own party as he does yeah. opposition, which is incredible. Um, I worked with uh, our local Republican Party several years ago during a previous election that, that we didn't win. And I remember telling the head of the Republican Party uh, of, of the state, who I was where I'm reluctant to name names, but um, I had said to him, you know, this is the last time I sit here and hold my nose while making calls for this party. Why don't we put up good candidates? This was during the McCain-Palin campaign. And he said, well, you know, conservatives uh, like good candidates. The national parties tend to uh, appoint candidates based on the polls and who they think can win, and that's oftentimes two different groups of people. And it stinks, because I think our party has sold us out. So um, that's that's my question to you. Yeah. Uh, I hope I've articulated that well, but I'm really interested to hear your feedback on that because you're a personality among very few who I hear brave enough to, to frankly say that the Republican Party is kind of garbage these days. And as hard as it is to say, I agree with you. Well, the, there is no situation like this anywhere in the free world where you have had basically a frozen two-party system, James, for the last 150 years. As, as you know, in uh, Italy, new parties come along every, uh, ev- every couple of weeks. Uh, even north of the border in, in Canada, you have parties that come and go and ebb and flow. They outlive their usefulness. I, d- I actually think parties have a natural life, uh, and that natural life is very rarely 150 years. I mentioned Monsieur Macron in France, his party. 
He basically, uh, when he uh, decided to run for the president, invented a party that had some, I think it's called uh, En Marche or something, which means like forward. It's it's just like some stupid generic name for the Macron uh, party. Uh, Nigel Farage in the United Kingdom, he decided that the Tories, Theresa May's Tories, were about to stiff the British people on Brexit. Uh, so he formed a party and six weeks later... Uh, They won the European elections. Uh, And you can't do any of that here. We have this frozen... People talk about weird subjects that don't mean anything in any other context, like ballot access and all the rest of it. So simply as a practical matter, you can't actually start a new party now and hope to win in November. And I go back to what was really a very interesting election, which was 2010, At that time, the whole kind of Bush-era conservatism had become disconnected from the base and the Tea Party movement arose. And the Tea Party made a conscious decision to work within the husk of the Republican Party, and that's why they won the 2010 election. And I I think there ought to be serious thought given to electoral reform here, uh, to, to to widen the system. AOC, who doesn't say a lot of sensible things, but she did actually say that if she were in, say, the average continental country, she and Joe Biden would be in different political parties. They don't actually agree on that much, but in the American t- context, where you put in, you're frozen into the side A, team A or team B, you have to stay within that. Uh, and actually, I would right now, What's interesting is that this is sort of relevant because we're being told by the mobs on the street that everything from the Civil War era, doesn't matter whether you're on the Confederate side or the Union side, you're evil and you've got to go. So it's very odd to find that the one thing that has to be kept uh, from, uh, from that era, from the, everything from the Civil War era has to go. Uh, we can't use the word antebellum. We can't have mint juleps. The whole thing has got to go. And so uh, the only things we have to keep are the frozen two-party system. And the way to apply pressure on that is actually to point out that the Democrats, you know, okay, if you're going to tear down the statue of someone who inherited one slave and kept that slave around for like five or six years before getting rid of him or whatever Francis Scott Key is meant to have done. If you're going to tear down the statue of Abraham Lincoln, let's tear down the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has never renounced its evil past. It was the biggest slaving institution on the planet in the 19th century, and it's the only one that has survived to the modern era. And so if you say this statue's got to come down and that statue's got to come down, the Democrat Party's got to come down. Uh, Robert C. Byrd, an out-and-out racist till the day he died, uh, the Democrats made him third in line to the presidency. A, a couple of different turns uh, by... Uh, if, if the Flight 93 plane had hit its target or whatever... Uh, Robert C. Byrd would have wound up the president at the end of that day. It was only the vagaries of the presidential diary uh, that ensured those guys didn't actually take out the president and the vice president and the speaker of the House. So so don't tell us that American history has to be abolished when uh, when uh, the uh, who Jefferson Davis, he's a Democrat, the big Klan guy in 1920 who wanted to spread the Klan to the northern state. Democrat, 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 Klansmen and slavers.
Yes, indeed, America's number one radio show. And there are times uh, when you need uh, the man himself here. Rush should really be doing this next uh, interview because nobody is a bigger football fan uh, than Rush. And as you know, when he has me here on the day of after the Super Bowl, I always risk uh, uh, tiptoeing uh, as a foreigner delicately along the analysis of the big game and making a fool of myself. But we have with us one of the great NFL stars from uh, the New York Jets and the Super Bowl-winning Raiders team of 1980. I think that was also the first year that he was inducted into any kind of Hall of Fame. I think it was the University of uh, Miami uh, Hall of Fame. But he's now decided uh, he's going to go into the political world. And he had a, I don't know whether it compares with the 1980 Super Bowl, but he had a pretty good night last night. And he will be the Republican candidate for the 4th District in Utah this November uh, Burgess Owens uh, joins us. Uh, Burgess, congratulations on your victory uh, last night. It was pretty decisive, actually. You got almost uh, twice as much as the the number two candidate uh, in that uh, in that race. Mark, first of all, thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, it, it was a good night, and and I'll just say this: I, I feel so blessed. I live in a, in a district that uh, shares the values I grew up in. I grew up in deep South Tallahassee, uh, days of segregation, KKK, Jim Crow, but it's a very very exciting uh, uh, middle-class community and middle-class household. And we believe in God, country, and family. And it's, it's so nice to, to have brought us in that way and now uh, really fighting to, to make sure that the values that, we, that I grew up in, that I live in, that we can spread to the rest of our country and not have it go the other way. So I'm thankful for uh, the, 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 uh, the constituents here who really believe and resonate to my message for sure. Well, since you brought up all that, that KKK stuff, what do you think of uh, what's actually happening on the, the streets at the moment? And do you think that we're, we're four months out from the election, do you think basically things like uh, Confederate generals and American statuary, do you think they're still going to be an issue uh, come November? Well, I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you, Mark. Uh, are you, did you say something about the statues? Well, I'm uh, yeah. Do you, how do you feel about what's going on on the streets at the moment? Oh my goodness, I am so sorry. I'm having some trouble hearing you, buddy. Uh, I, let, let me do this. Um, let, I, I, I'm thinking that you're asking about, about the statue, right? And, and if I if I can say this, uh, it was Karl Marx who said very simply: the the first battleground is writing uh, rewriting about history, and uh, and what the left has been doing for a long time. I've seen it happen is they're trying their very best to keep us from knowing who we the people really are. Because once we know our history, Mark, uh, we cannot be divided. Uh, we the people have done some remarkable things. It's the greatest place in the history of mankind is where people across, around the world want to come to because of the culture we've built. And our culture is one that's been built on the Judeo-Christian values. That's the seedbed that allows us every single generation to live each other better from inside out and outside in. Uh, it is who, it's how, it's what we do, and uh, if we understand our history... We can never, ever say that there's been one race who's oppressed the other, because I tell you, my, my parents' generation was remarkable, the success they had, being the most competitive uh, minority in our country, uh, winning in so many different ways, education uh, uh, and, and, and commitment to family and, and business ownership, all those things. And so what we see now is, 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 a, is an attempt by the left, by the Marxists, to, to take away the very core of who we are, and that's our history. So good and bad, by the way. And, and I also would like to say this. It's interesting because 
our, our forefathers were humble enough to say to, to to develop a more perfect union. They knew that they weren't perfect at that time. Mm-hmm. We have we have people today, some kind of way they believe that they got it all right. They can literally judge anyone in our past, and their people have never built a thing in the, in, in their lives. So it's right. interesting that these humble these uh, very arrogant people now are judging those who are not perfect, but yet we have a country that, based on their efforts, we have the, the best thing going that we've ever seen. There's a lot of talk about a silent majority. You're, you're in the uh, fourth district in Utah, which traditionally uh, trends Republican, a, a Republican-leaning district. You're up against the kind of so-called moderate Democrat. Do you think your opponent actually is that moderate in terms of the state of Utah? Mark, I am so sorry, Mark. For some reason, we have a bad connection, and I, I'm just not—I'm not hearing what you're saying. Uh, I think, uh, oh gosh. Uh, uh, I tell you what, Burgess, we're going to call you back in in uh, just a minute. We're going to call you back uh, and get you back on a better line. Uh, hopefully, that was uh, that was Burgess Owens, who's won the primary, the Republican primary in. Uh, Utah last night in the 4th District, which traditionally leans Republican. Uh, Mia Love's old seat, and uh, Mia, who looked like she was a rising star in the Republican Party, wound up losing to a so-called blue dog Democrat, uh, a fellow called McAdams, uh, who, according to some of uh, the uh, pollsters in that district, has done a good job at passing himself off as a a good enough job at passing himself off as a blue dog Democrat to uh, find himself looking pretty comfortable for November. Ben McAdams, so-called blue dog Democrat in a conservative Republican district. Um, And we will uh, try and get uh, Burgess Owens back to talk about that. Burgess Owens, incidentally, I <laughs> I would like to ask him how much he enjoys politics because I think it's a if you if you've been in any other area of endeavor, you make your whether you're in sports or whether you're in motion pictures or whatever, uh, it can be a bit of a you'd like the idea of going into politics and and uh, oh Burgess is back yeah I, I hope we got you on a better line here Burgess you're supposedly up against a kind of blue dog Democrat that's what they call him do you actually think do you actually think he is moderate because right now the entire Democrat Party things that were crazy a month ago now respectable Democrats are defending like uh, defunding the police and setting up autonomous zones and tearing down statues. Do you think your opponent is a serious, is, is a genuine moderate Democrat? You know, that's a, that's a good question. And, I, and, and, and you know, I think if, if we were to start having a conversation about our culture, there are good people in all parties. It's just that we have to understand that we have a leadership that's very much against our American culture. Uh, and this has been the Democratic leadership forever. Uh, you know, I would say, for instance, uh, Mark, in the future, if we ever get to, the, to where we're de- 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 defining or trying to talk about lynching once again, ever again, we can stop that in the, in the, in the bud. But just reminding people that, yeah, lynching was done by the Democratic KKK. They mm. killed 4,700 Americans, but 1,300 of them were, were, uh, were white Republicans, Jews, and, and, and Italians. So, so we have to, we're at this point now where we truly are fighting for the heart and soul of our nation in a Democratic Party has gone all in on Marxism and socialism, 
and wherever they lay their head, they lay their seat, they will bring misery. That's how they, they that's how they, this is misery to them is a political strategy. So I'm hoping that, that what we're going through right now, we're going to get people from across the board who love our country, who recognize even the Democratic business owners, recognize who's trying to stop their business from growing so they can get power. You see these black business owners in, these, in the urban communities. Who's, who's opening the doors for their business to be destroyed for power? It's always the same, same, uh, same party. And, and I'll say this for American people. I'm a true optimist, by the way. Mm-hmm. I truly believe, I believe that evil fights as hard as before the darn. We're about to see a, a renaissance by getting a House control once again by, once again by Republican patriots. We get some backbone in our Senate and get a president for the first time who's not uh, uh, governing with his hands tied behind his back. We get that done. In our country, the next four years, we'll see something we've, we have never seen in our lifetime, a true renaissance of business ownership, thriving businesses, uh, 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 people really coming back together again because the left will not be able to divide us uh, as they do when they put people in misery. So I'm just excited about the next four years. I think now is the time for Americans to just sit, sit back for a little bit, recognize we're under attack, and once we do that, we do the very best of coming together. And as Al Davis used to say in old days, we just win, baby. And that's what we're going to do once, uh, once we have this conversation across the board. Let me ask you, let me ask you about that, though, because you, you were a, a, a big star in a Super Bowl-winning team, and it's fantastic. There's no doubt, you know, when you, won the, when you win the Super Bowl, you win the Super Bowl, it can't be taken away from you. And there's a lot of Republican voters out there who feel that they win the election and then, for some reason, nothing changes. And, and uh, the, the Republicans hold office, but they're not in power. They're not powering, they're not charging down the field like it is in a sporting victory, uh, but it, it's something less uh, satisfactory. And uh, they, they want to know that actually when you win this time, that, that the policies you run on are actually going to be implemented. Is that the difference between politics and football? <laughs> Again, I, I missed miss <laughs> part of what you're saying there, but um, I, I think you're, you're asking how did I go in, get into politics and football? Is, was that was that kind of a question? I'm sorry, Mark. I really yeah, don't. yeah, no, no, no. That's that'll do. That's a good one. Okay, okay. Well, here's the thing: the, the great thing about about football, particularly playing with a, with a team like the Raiders, is we understood there uh, there was a culture that Al Davis put together. There's a culture of of, of of people giving a second chance. And with the Raiders, you had guys who were, we call them the Motley Crew. They, they couldn't fit in with other organizations. They were too wild, too old, too, whatever it might have been. But it was just right for the Raider culture because Al Davis believed as you came together, you proved through meritocracy, and the idea was no matter what the, what the uh, obstacles were, what the noise was, just win, baby. That is our country, Mark. We are a country that's so diverse. We, we have different dreams. We go out there, we work every single day. Most of us feel like we're underdogs, which is a good thing. But when it comes down to one thing that we believe in, when it comes to America, we just want to win, baby. And this is what's going to happen over this next, next few months. Americans are realizing we're under attack, just like we were with 70, uh, 9-11 and, and Pearl Harbor. Once, once, those, once that, 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 that those come out of that little shell of this optimism and our dreaming power, we realize we're under attack, and that's what's happening now. We, we will come together, and in this case here, and, and defeat the enemy that's been, been at our doorstep for a long, long time. Marxists and socialists who've been our infrastructure now in our institutions, weaving away like little termites yep. everything that makes our country great. We're going to win this battle and we'll come back 
across the board, every party to say just when we as Americans to give our kids a great future and, and one that we can all be proud that we, we're part of this fight to, 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 to win back our culture. That is a fantastic, optimistic uh, message. Win, baby. Uh, Burgess Owens, uh, thank you very much. You won spectacularly last night in the 4th District in Utah, and we hope you have an equally terrific night on Tuesday in November. Burgess Owens, from the football field uh, to the far filthier combat of uh, the House of Representatives. Thanks a lot for joining us. More Rush straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush. It was great to hear Burgess Owens there, the winner in the 4th District GOP primary in Utah last night. A big positive message. He's looking forward to taking it to a so-called blue dog Democrat, Ben McAdams, in November and uh, putting that seat back in the GOP column. And we wish him uh, the best of, of luck in that. It has been, um, it's a sort of funny week. It's, it's, we're now, what are we, two, three days away from the glorious fourth, and we have people absolutely assaulting and attacking and destroying every aspect of the world built by the Declaration of Independence, wherever you look across the country. It's really weird to me. I mentioned that today is... Uh, Canada Day, July 1st, 1867. So three years ago was the 150th anniversary. And Justin Trudeau did a lot of this self-loathing stuff that, you know, Canada, evil racist society, has to do penance for the horrible things it's done. And the, the net result of that was that the 150th anniversary turned into a huge buzzkill uh, absolute fiasco, absolute flop. When you tell people their nation is worthless... Uh, they they take it seriously enough, and you can't have a big party. There's nothing to celebrate. And I look ahead to 2026, and I remember 1976. If you saw the visions of the uh, – remember the scenes at the Statue of Liberty and all the rest of it, I wonder what the 250th birthday of America is going to be like if what we see on the streets takes hold. Uh, and – I think about one of my favorite lines from the Declaration of Independence, which never made it into the final text, but always is uh, sobering when recalled from those of us, by those of us in the rest of the English-speaking world, uh, those of us who stayed within his majesty's dominions, as it were. And they were Thomas Jefferson's parting words to his fellow British subjects across the ocean. We might have been a free and great people together. And it's, uh, it's, it's very sobering to live in a time uh, that when Americans cannot, can no longer comprehend that those on one side of the Civil War nevertheless had a certain amount of respect for those they fought on the other side of the war. That was certainly true when American revolutionaries rose up against the British Empire. Uh, most of the newspapers in London, for example, were on the side of the American uh, rebels, as it was. And in the end, you know, in the First and Second World Wars, we got back together and we were a free and great people together. And it, there is nothing more painful to anyone who respects what the 13 colonies made of themselves as they spread out across the continent and halfway across the ocean to Hawaii, 
than to see the self-loathing and the civilizational contempt, the contempt for their own inheritance uh, of the people on the streets rampaging around, people who can't make anything, people who can only destroy, as Burgess was saying. Uh, It is a tragedy. Uh, I wish you a terrific 4th of July, and I hope that we have turned this miserable thing around uh, by the time 2026 comes around. We'll close it out in just a moment. America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Uh, Catherine Lee Bates's words do not give up on that. Uh, my thanks to Mike and uh, to Keith in New York City and Mr. Snurdly down in Florida. The Rush Limbaugh Show, America's number one show, returns tomorrow. Don't miss it. Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America in so many ways. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institutes educating kids in K-12 through grades to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279. Or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.